Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we aim to inspire you, to connect you with like-minded colleagues, to innovate and push you out of your comfort zone, to create robust debate, to encourage lifelong learning, and to empower you to create more impact as a dietitian. Dietitian Connection acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you're listening to this podcast. I'm recording from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. And I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm Jane Winter from Dietitian Connection, and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. This podcast does cover information about gut health, but it's not and is not intended to be medical advice, which should be tailored to individual circumstances. The podcast is for information only, and we advise exercising judgment before deciding to use the information provided. Professional medical advice should be obtained before taking action. Now, this month, February, is Gut Health Month, Australia's largest gut health movement. And now, in its second year, Gut Health Month is really committed to raising the profile of dietitians as the nutrition experts in the gut health space. Throughout the month, Dietitian Connection is providing dietitians with plenty of professional development on the latest gut health science in order to help them flourish as gut health dietitians. And today, we're joined by our Gut Health Month ambassador, Nicole Dynan, to talk all things Gut Health Month. Nicole's been our guest on previous um, DC podcasts, so you may feel like you already know her, but in case you don't, Nicole is an accredited practicing dietitian, accredited sports dietitian, and founder and director of the Good Nutrition Co. and the Gut Health Dietitian. Nicole was inspired to start the gut health arm of her business after suffering allergies and food intolerances herself as a child and having the good fortune to complete her master's research project at RPA Allergy Unit in Sydney. When Nicole established her business nine years ago, she had a simple goal, and that was to help people navigate the science to fix their gut issues and feel happy and healthy again. Her business now has a team of 12 dietitians and is recognised as one of Australia's largest telehealth nutrition providers, having consulted to more than 30,000 individuals as well as hundreds of organisations. Nicole's also a guest lecturer for the University of Sydney, University of New South Wales, and media spokesperson for Dietitians Australia. So welcome back to our DC podcast, Nicole. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me back. Well, we're really pleased that you're the 2023 Gut Health Month ambassador. Um, Can you just explain to our listeners what Gut Health Month is and why you think it's important for dietitians? Well, Gut Health Month is a Dietitian Connection initiative, so this is the second year, as you mentioned, and it's really designed to help educate the public about the latest evidence in gut health science, but it's also about reducing the stigma around bowel habits. So last year we were trying to get people to talk about who more, we're opening up the conversation um, about nutrition-related gut issues. And most importantly for dietitians, it not only helps us support our clients in managing their gut issues in an evidence-based way, but it also promotes dietitians as the standout nutrition experts in the gut health space. Yeah, and I think that that is a really important aspect, and we'll get onto it a bit more as we talk. But you know, dietitians do have a really unique role that they can play here for 
so many people who are, as you say, suffering in silence. Um, and in 2023, we've got this amazing community activation happening in a small Victorian town of Poowong um, during February. Can you tell us a little bit about this activation and, and what it's hoping to achieve? Well, I'm so excited about this activation, Jane. It's probably my favourite event for the whole um, the whole initiative. Um, and really, we're on a mission to improve the gut health of the residents of Poo Wong. So we're going to endeavour to make Poo Wong Poo right. Um, so it's a fantastic <laughs> play on words. Um, and over the course of the week, we've got a team of dietitians um, who work with selected households in Poo Wong to provide gut healthy eating education and it will be really by implementing a series of simple dietary and lifestyle changes um, that the dietitians will demonstrate to the residents and all Australians hopefully via the media coverage um, just all around the benefits of a healthy gut. So the campaign um, will kick off with a big bang event at the local town hall and we're going to recruit ambassadors, local businesses and community groups really just to, you know, heighten the buzz around the whole event and the real-life challenge about managing a healthy gut um, really to drive awareness around the cause. And it will include a fun and engaging education session for the town with lots of giveaways, samples, learning-based activities and then the whole case study will demonstrate just how simple dietary and lifestyle changes can make a massive difference to gut health and overall well-being. So we're really aiming to create the healthiest guts in Australia. <laughs> Fu Wong will be very proud. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so it's a it's a really um, a dietary intervention happening in real time, isn't it? That we can show how easy it is to make some changes and what impact these can have. Absolutely. It's going to be right back to basics, the simple changes that can make a big difference to people's gut health. Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch. So moving on to more of your sort of personal journey as a dietitian um, in gut health, you've told us a bit before about what led you to working in the area, and I just mentioned it earlier, but what do you really enjoy about working in this space and what are the big challenges for you? Well, I guess the thing I love the most about working in the gut health space is the life-changing results that you can achieve with patients. Um, they're so motivated to fix their symptoms. They're so grateful for the support. And I think also the sense of hope that we can give them, um, particularly when all medical avenues have been exhausted. Um, and so in terms of challenges, I would say that gut health, you know, obviously is not a perfect science. It's a very young science, you know, 10 20 years old max, probably. Nutrition is a very young science as well. So we don't have a definitive test for things like food intolerance. And the symptoms um, are generally quite individual to each patient. So um, it requires a good deal of detective work. You really need to listen very intently um, and have a lot of patience. And I think conveying that to the patients um, is really important as well so that they they know that this could be a little bit of a journey that you're going to go on together to try and fix their symptoms. Um, and then I guess the other thing to overlay with that is the whole gut-brain connection, which can just really add another dimension to the cause of gut symptoms. So I think, you know, that can sometimes be challenging to um, be looking at the whole lifestyle, but it's also part of the the the, the whole part of it that I love as well, just having that background um, in psychology also. Yeah, it, it is 
incredible the explosion in this area. And I mean, when I was a student, so we're going back many, many years, but it was basically gut health was about a low fiber diet or a high fiber diet. And yeah. that was the extent of it. There was nothing to talk about microbiome or anything like that. Yeah. And I guess, but with that explosion of research also comes an explosion of misinformation too. And so I imagine that's a bit of a challenge too, because a lot of you know patients and clients are getting information from all over the place about gut health. Yeah, correct. So opportunities for other dietitians what do you what do you see are the opportunities for dietitians in working in the gut health space there's so many i i know there's so many but there's a few that really do excite me so the first one i've got three um so the first one would be just exactly what you were alluding to there is clarifying that misinformation so there's just a ton of it online um, and it really leads people down a slippery unscientific slope and it is really often quite expensive. They're forking out, you know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars on tests and potions and, um, you know, tonics and all that sort of thing. So I think we have to be really careful there. Um, But dietitians can heighten their voice in this space by trying to dispel some of those myths and misinformation and really leaning into the science and trying to convey those evidence-based messages clearly and simply. Um, you know, with confidence, they should be confident. Um, and they can really do that so simply just through myth-busting posts or doing little tutorials on hot topics, um, you know, via their social media or even in consultations. Um, half of my social media comes from questions that my clients ask me in consultations. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the second thing would be really trying to help empower our clients to make healthy gut choices on their own Um, because I think so much can influence the gut, but food is one of the few things that people can influence themselves to make a big difference to their gut health and their overall health and well-being. And often clients come into us, you know, they're on very restrictive diets. There's almost nothing left in their diet. Their confidence is shattered. Um, When it comes to food, they've got so much food fear. So providing really close support, mentoring your clients to give them confidence um, in their gut again and their food choices, just helping let them know that sometimes the gut, um, when they think it's reacting, might actually be telling them that it's enjoying that food that they're giving them and it might just mean, you know, go go slow, um, small amounts and, and gradually help uh, ease that back into the diet and of course looking at overall lifestyle can help here as well yeah yeah and then the third thing would be optimizing gut health with just simple but effective food swaps so you know if dietitians haven't worked in the gut health space much before i think we can just really take it back to basics and guide clients to make easy achievable changes to just improve their gut health so simple things like swapping white bread for wholemeal bread you know, adding a new fruit or veggie to their trolley each week to try and boost up the diversity, um, help help patients navigate the the supplement landscape as well um, with pre and probiotics. So there's some good websites out there um, that can really guide us on that. Um, and important to remember too that it's not just about clients with symptoms; it's about optimizing a healthy gut also. So even you know, just boosting up plants and fibre and plant diversity um, can be a simple and effective way to get started. 
Yeah, I, I guess even for dietitians, the sort of terminology of gut health can be a little bit intimidating. You, you might feel that you're expected to know so much about the gut microbiome. But as you say, a lot of our basic sciences are still relevant and important in the gut health field. So dietitians shouldn't be nervous that they don't know enough. No, exactly. Because even just helping with motility, even if it's just back to the basic fibre message, um, can make a big difference to someone's level of comfort. So yeah, starting starting in an area where you feel comfortable and then gradually educating yourself to learn more and experience. Yeah. So even I could start with my fibre background as, as a student. <laughs> um, so there's been there's been research findings that you know as many as one in two people may experience gut health issues, which is quite amazing. Fifty percent of the population might be experiencing issues with their gut health. But what are the most common gut health problems that Australians do have, and and what are the sort of first line treatments a dietitian should consider for these? Yeah, and I think that's really important research because it does sort of highlight that our food supply and all that sort of thing um, is somewhat of a problem. But um, I'd say the most common issues I see are bloating, pain, diarrhea and constipation. Um, And the other thing I see is that, you know, most often people have tried to manage those gut health concerns on their own. And the way that they do it is by avoiding key food groups or you know, buying into fad fixes or detoxes. Um, So they end up with a very restrictive and ineffective diet and often worsening symptoms. Um, So in each case, there's a few things I would always ask. Um, So firstly, I would try to get a gauge on how long the problem has been going on and the severity, Um, if there was any obvious triggers. I also want to know very importantly what medical investigations they may have had and also what else they have tried. Um, so that key that key for me is always to sort of rule out anything medical. I think that's really um, important because my overriding mantra as a dietitian is do no harm. And so that's always at the forefront of my mind in my practice. Um And then beyond that, I would be looking at diet and lifestyle basics. So the whole fiber, fluid, movement, stress, alcohol intake, and also how they eat, because sometimes how they eat can be just as important as what they're eating. So the timing of eating, you know, how quickly they're eating, where they're eating, um, how much they're chewing their food, um, you know, all of those sorts of things before I leapt into any um, sort of restrictive intervention like a low FODMAP diet or an elimination diet. I want to just really get a good gauge on those basics first. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, do you sometimes find that just the manner of people eating actually has an impact on their symptoms? 100%. Like wow. I say um, so often, like if someone, you know, is, um, you know, eating you know, every sort of half an hour they're sort of nibbling at something or there's another coffee going in or, you know, there's really no downtime between eating. I find that that can really be um, impactful just to get a little bit more of a gap and a bit of time for the migrating motor complex to come in and clear up, you know, the previous meal. Um, It really helps with gut motility and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so that or conversely, you know, they might be intermittent fasting. So that's probably more common these days. And then they end up, um, 
having a massive meal when they they break that fast and then they're just eating junk all throughout the afternoon. Um, so you know, there's a whole host of yeah. um, different um, how issues as opposed to what issues. As yeah, well. that's that's so interesting. Um, and I think you know the point of making sure that the medical investigations have been done is a really important one because you certainly don't want to be missing something that could be pathological that actually needs yeah. medical intervention. Absolutely. And sometimes I do see that. Like I'll see patients that come in and they're convinced it's diet, but it's just not ringing true to mm. me. So, um, you know, I'm always um, referring clients back for um, to their doctor for further investigation. And do you find generally the patients that you see with gut health issues are motivated? You mentioned that usually they are, but is, is this the case? And, and how can dietitians help play into this to improve motivation? Um, yes, I do. So they, they generally, I think this is why I love working with them as well. So, um, you know, they're so motivated, their gut issues can just impact their entire sense of well-being. So they're just keen to get on top of it um, if they can. And and interestingly, most people do lean towards the idea of cutting something out of their diet to manage symptoms um, in the first place. But more often than not, or definitely more now than before, I'm finding that adding into their diet is more effective um, sometimes. So more plants, more fiber, more diversity, more fluid. And I think this is a really beautiful space for dietitians because I think sometimes dietitians do have a bit of a reputation of, you know, cutting out yeah. people on restrictive diets and all that sort of thing. But it's a really lovely space to be able to say, actually, the dietitian added so much more to my diet. I feel so much better now than what I did before. Um yeah, just because it's really turning that that whole diet mentality on its head, if you like. Um, yeah, just- I do. I remember hearing once dietitians being referred to as agents of deprivation. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> and I think that's, you're exactly right. The fact that we can actually add things back in and liberalise and Im- in- improve enjoyment um, mm-hmm. of eating is phenomenal. <laughs> um, I totally agree. <laughs> do, do you find... Um, that the patients, um, and I guess it depends on what their gut issues are, but can you get some fairly quick wins in terms of improvement in symptoms? Because I imagine that that really helps people with their motivation too. I absolutely, um, yes, you absolutely can get quick wins. And I think it does come down sometimes to the whole um, psyche around eating as well because there is that strong gut-brain connection. Mm. Faces light up when you say to people, you know, actually, I don't think there's anything else we can pull out of your diet. I think we need to now, um, you know, turn the whole picture around and start to look at what we can add back in. You almost see like this palpable sign of relief um, in people because they think, oh, thank goodness, someone's going to support me to do this. And I think, you know, that message of really, um, you know, treading lightly, going slowly, um, just encouraging people, you know, if they do start to get um, a little bit of a niggle in the gut, just acknowledge that, reframe it to say, um, you know, that's my gut bacteria actually enjoying what I'm feeding them um, and not to be thinking that every little, um, you know, a symptom is necessarily a negative thing because some of those symptoms can be normal to a mm. level. 
And I imagine that uh, many clients who have had issues over a long period of time are actually quite frightened of the concept of reintroducing foods into their diet. Oh, yeah, so much. So like some of them, um, some of them are really keen, but you will get a handful of clients who are extremely fearful um, and they're the ones that, you know, do need a little bit more closer monitoring. Um, I think I mentioned in our podcast last year, you know, you know, for dietitians maybe to set up some packages where they've got a little bit more, um, you know, maybe just 10-minute phone call check-ins yep. that they can do with their clients in this state um, to really, you know, just reassure them that it's okay uh, you know, and, you know, go slowly and gently. You really do need to help nurture them back to it because it does sort of become almost disordered eating over time. Yeah. And working on, Sorry, Jane. No, go on. Oh, I was going to say working on that whole um, idea of um, breathing techniques, relaxation exercises prior to eating, I found some good success with. So just helping to calm the nervous system in the gut um, calm that gut-brain axis. There's a new app that's been created by Monash called the Nerva app, which is a gut-directed hypnotherapy, um, N-E-R-V-A. And I've found some really great results with some patients, some of those really food-fearful patients um, by using this app. It just really gives them something else to focus on and something else to do prior to eating that can really help calm that nervous system and allow them to tolerate um, food better yeah yeah that's that's really interesting and so with all the I think I said 300,000 oh, 30,000 individuals that you've seen and I guess you follow a lot of gut health sort of trends on social media um, what are sort of the three most common dietary misconceptions that you see in practice about gut health um, so I think the, the three key things that I see people try to do is cut out dairy. So that would be up there. Um, uh, then whole grains and gluten. So they would be the, the top three things that people cut out because there's so much on social media um, and just in other alternative practices that would guide them to do that. Um, but the interesting thing is it's never, you know, or rarely is it ever junk food that they're told <laughs> they have to cut out. It's all it's like a food group. Um, so um, I do remember we had that CSIRO um, community gut health survey last year as well, and they found that six in ten people were disappointed with the outcomes of their own personal gut health strategy, which may involve you know, things like that. It's definitely involving cutting food, key food groups out of their diet and often buying into fad, you know, fad fixes, detoxes, or even colonic irrigation I've heard a lot of lately, um, you know, which, you know, might give them some relief in the short term, but ultimately could be a bit more detrimental in the long term for their um, microbiome or their health of their microbiota. So, um, and the other thing too, just to mention here, it was actually a patient I was speaking with yesterday. She was convinced that dairy was her culprit food for years, years and years and years. Um, and then we actually did a structured elimination diet for her. And then when she added it back in as a challenge, she tolerated it extremely well. So it turned out it wasn't dairy at all. It was actually amines for her that was the problem. Wow. So, I know. So she was so excited that she 
actually have dairy in her diet again. I was about to say what a joyous day to have some cheese. <laughs> exactly. So so I generally find it's not hard to encourage people to add things back in. They're usually just looking for permission. Um, yeah. Which which means that it is just the perfect territory for dietitians to get involved in, isn't it? Because we can personalise it, we can guide people through the reintroduction of foods, we can give them a structured approach rather than just a haphazard, oh, try this, try that. So, you know, there, there's so many opportunities. So for dietitians who might be new to this space uh, and but are in, really interested in it, what would your three key takeaways be for dietitians who, who want to expand their practice here? Um, well, I think the first one would be don't be afraid. Um, just start where you feel comfortable. It might be simple changes, you know, to help optimise your patient's gut health. So things like swapping white bread or white rice to whole grain varieties, um, you know, a bit around the diversity messaging, you know, so add add in more diversity, more colour, um, more variety within, you know, fruits, veggies, legumes, um, nuts, seeds, that sort of thing. Um, and your clients will be great teachers. So, you know, listen carefully to them and they'll really help, um, you know, guide you to where you need to do some more education, which is probably the second point. So I'd look for upskilling opportunities wherever I could. So Things like the Dietitian Connection free resources in this gut health space. There's so much online from last year and more we're adding to this year, the Monash FODMAP course, etc. So I just look for those upskilling opportunities wherever you can. And then finally, I would find a mentor or join an interest group. So there is the um, Dietitians Australia Gastroenterology Interest Group or Dietitians in the private sector. Um, if you can't get a one-on-one -on -one mentor, you can certainly, you know, submit questions through those interest groups and get lots of great um, input and feedback from other dietitians. Um, yeah, so I think you're right, Jane, we're perfectly positioned. We we personalise things. We're not about blanket approaches. So, you know, um, whatever field dietitians work in, there will be an element um, of gut in that field. So um, I would really sort of try and hone my learning in the area that I like working in. Well, we're really going to look forward to watching uh, your work through this Gut Health Month and watching Poo Wong um, take up the challenge of improving their gut-friendly dietary patterns. Uh, and, again, really appreciate your time today, Nicole. Thank you so much. It's always so nice to have a chat to you. Thanks so much, Jane. It's an absolute pleasure. And we'll add links um, into the show notes for this podcast for the Dietitian Connection Professional Development Opportunities and Resources for Gut Health Month and also links to guthealthmonth.com, which is our consumer website that has consumer-friendly information and some delicious gut-loving recipes that you can pass on to your clients. So um, thanks, everyone, for joining us today. To get all of the links and resources we discussed in this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you learnt, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We value hearing from you and we really appreciate your feedback. 
So please, please hit that review button.